This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, you are tuned to Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor and the good people like Carol Palmer who love to stir the pot. Good morning, Malcolm White with Carol Palmer. We'll be your host today. Well, summer uh, is more or less here. The barbecue grills need to be cleaned and readied for the smoking and grilling. A good friend, Eddie Wright, will join us later in the program to talk about barbecue and some tips. Uh, He knows a lot about that. We will also talk about the fact that it is National Barbecue Month this month, so get your cue ready. There's news from the James Beard Foundation, and we're going to talk about the Alluvian Hotel's 20th anniversary and the dinner that Carol attended over the weekend. Huh. Good morning. Deep South Dining, right here on MPB Think Radio. And you got to give the people what the people want, Carol. You got to. You do. That's the, way, that's the way of the Deep South Dining. How are you this morning? Morning, Malcolm. I'm good. I'm excellent, really good. Excellent. Excellent. You, we've been busy. Uh, nice week. I know. Busy, you, you, busy. Always busy. I know you traveled to the wood. I traveled to Greenwood for the 20th anniversary of the Alluvian Hotel. Can you believe no, it? I can't even. And and you were. For many years, the president of that whole hospitality group. Indeed. Indeed, I was. And it was um, just, oh, I don't know. It was a very emotional visit yeah, because I walked in the door of the Alluvian, and it is just as beautiful as it was then. It has been so loved and taken care of. And some of the people that greeted me were people who had been working there for 20 years. Mm. You know, a young woman, Denise, on the front desk manager now, you know, started when she was a young woman. Right. A, I guess a young girl, a young girl there. But it was just very emotional and seeing Robert Flanagan, the head of housekeeping, still there and – you know, it's 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 the Robert Flanagan's and Denise's of a hotel. You yeah, have the front desk and housekeeping that that make it uh, what it is. And our friend Beth Williams is still, still manager. Still running the show. And she is running running the show. And uh, there were just so many wonderful people there, and the community turned out, and it was just a reminder of what something like the Alluvian can do for a community. It really anchored and turned what has since happened in downtown Greenwood, and, you know, you were there for a lot of it Mm. in and out to see what what it's become. Yeah. I love seeing, you know, a creative economy lead the way. Uh, and an economic revitalization of of any town, any community, but you were uh, you were over the hotel and the restaurant, and the spa, and the spa, and the cooking school, and the art collection. 
Uh, the, and the art collection just, you know, stands and uh, just a testimony to all the great Delta artists. The giant Bill Dunlap dog painting mm-hmm. with the dog looking down over Valley Hill sets the stage. But I am so proud of the work we did, but even more proud that it's just a first-class place and has remained that way because of some very fabulous people. And y'all brought the old Gardenia family restaurant into the hotel. Yes. That was a very cool cool coup. Yes, and it is thriving. It, you know, one of the uh, iconic Italian Delta restaurants. Right. You know, like Lusco's and Lillo's and... Gardenas, and all those family and those that came from Sicily, mm-hmm. from Cefalu. But I really thought of you Thursday night when after the celebration, my friends, our friend Leanne Galt and uh, her uh, friend Jason Gorski, mm-hmm. we took a trip over to Fan and Johnny's around the corner. One uh, of my favorites. Yes, with Taylor Bowen Ricketts, chef, and she's only open three nights a week. Oh, or really? Two, is it two, two? I'm looking at, at uh, you there. It's, I think, I three nights Wednesday, a week. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, six to nine. Yes. Weekdays, I would take that to be Monday through Friday, 10, 10 until two. 2. So open every day for lunch during the week and only Wednesday, Thursday, Friday evenings. She doles out her goodness in doses. But we rushed right over there because it's quite the place to be in the Delta because of her uh, highly eclectic, interesting, and delicious food. Well, so you got that right. I brought you a, a menu. And I, my eyes immediately moved to one of the appetizers, uh, the frog legs with lemon pepper vinaigrette. Did you? I did not partake the frog of the legs? frog legs uh, hmm. that night for. Appetizers, I had the uh, roasted beets. Oh, yeah. And I had the curried carrot soup. Excellent. Delicious. And then Leanne and I shared the duck confit, but Mm -hmm. I didn't write down on my notes all the things about the duck confit, so I'm counting on you to read about the duck confit. Let's see here. In-house tomato sauce with toasted pine nuts and creamy Parmesan rosetto. Duck crackling and marinated olives for twenty six dollars. It was. It was a special. It was a special. It was indeed a special. It was good. What else catches your eye on there? Oh, how about the masa fried oysters with grilled andouille sausage over Delta grind, cheesy garlic grits with romalade slaw. That works for me. Wee. And Taylor was so much fun. She came out. Of course, it's a small restaurant and a small kitchen, and it's Taylor and I think just one other person yeah. mm-hmm. back there turning out all this stuff. And I, I was trying to uh, think in my mind how many seats are in there. John asked me when I got back. I'm, I'm thinking about 70. I mean, it's... Yeah, that sounds about right. There are all those booths in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It's a great place. Fan and Johnny's in the Mississippi Delta Greenwood. Again, um, you got to check it out. Open up for lunch uh, Monday through Friday. Dinner only on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And a place to go if you are craving frog legs or fried <laughs> alligator bites. Indeed, indeed, indeed. 
Well, uh, so let's see. I had a birthday dinner uh, Saturday night at Polito for Wren, my granddaughter. She turned seven, and what she wanted for her birthday was a fancy dinner. So we went ah, to her. She is. She, so she we takes all, after her grandfather. <laughs> we all got dressed up. Sort of. And we went to Polito, her father's restaurant, and we had a giant table and we ate family style. And we had pasta and pizzas and greens and salads and bread for the table, of course. Yes, the bread is always extra, as and we fish, talked about and last week. It was week. just delicious. And we had such a good time with uh, both the grandchildren. Uh, Wilder behaved himself as best he could because his father made him a special drink made out of mint leaves, and that was fascinating to him. And so I've had to take him mint to his house the last two or three days so his dad can make him fancy drinks with leaves. I like it, and I'm glad that you are starting these children off early at the big table in the fine dining restaurant. Well, it was Mother's Day uh, yesterday. Uh, we ended up having brunch at the Sunflower Ovens, which does a brunch on Sundays. Ooh, we had quiche. Did not know that. It was that. delicious. Uh, we took, okay, again, now the I whole family. I talked about that quiche last week. Mm-hmm. Had you had it before? I had. We got it for Christmas or Thanksgiving. But anyway. It is I, huge. Huge. <laughs> it, is, it is huge, and it is deep, and it is delicious. Fluffy. Very good. Very, Very fluffy. fluffy. Now, in the news, Carol, this past week, I shared a number of things back and forth with you. An 18-year-old woman, Samantha Fry, uh, in Ohio, has worked her way up from dishwasher to owning her own restaurant. What a success story. I know. I loved, loved, loved this story. Uh, You know, reading about the the restaurant is named Rosalie's. Rosalie's. And it has been a fixture in this community, you know, for years. And it's the place where everybody... Is, is the owner, the previous owner said, she said they had wanted it to be like Cheers, you know, the bar, the restaurant where everyone knows your name. And truly, uh, you know, that is such a gift to a community to have a gathering place like this. Absolutely. So th- this 18-year-old woman uh, went to her first semester in college and after working there for years, and she also had other jobs, too. I mean, this is a... Go get it right now, woman who saved her money. Mm -hmm. She actually decided this was more what she wanted to do and made the down payment on the restaurant and is rocking and rolling and serving her community. Well, it's a great story. I forget exactly where I found it, but uh, I have no idea where you dig this. I I suppose one person, a person who's interested, could just Google (laughs) Samantha Fry and Rosalie's, and I forget the town. It's Strasburg, Strasburg. Ohio. Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, fascinating story. Good news, as it were, right? Yeah, we needed some. We needed some good news. Okay, Java says it was in USA Today. Thank you, Java. How are you, Java? Oh, I'm hanging in there. It's a Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> Every week we have one. There, there we go. Did you have a nice Mother's Day yesterday? Tell, I did. Tell us you did something special now. Of course. You know, I had to celebrate the uh, the mothers in my life, my mother, uh, along with my wife, who is the mother of my children. So, um, yeah, we had a great time, and um, we dined on Crystal's favorite, which is um, hibachi. Oh, well, you know. Ah, okay. You know what I say? Do what you want when you get the chance. Yes, and also when you're a mother, right. go for it. 
yeah, have yeah. your day. You know, have the thing day. about hibachi, I'm not a huge hibachi fan, but the, you get to witness an amazing mess, theater, and you don't have to clean it up. And there's something for everybody. Well, I will say this, though. Our favorite hibachi spot is in a strip mall in Clinton. And I just want to point out that, you know, we do love the hibachi show. But once we got turned on to this place, um, we were like... I mean, the sit-down restaurant is fine if you want to see the volcano, but if you just want to eat, <laughs> you know, this, this is yeah. where we go. And oh, what's the name of the joint? Uh, it's called Hibachi Express. Okay. Uh, next to the Kroger's in Clinton. So don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Of, <laughs> of the strip mall hey, that's, places. that's kind of in my neighborhood. <laughs> no, I mean, okay. it's yeah, only that's right. 14 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> also in the news, Carol, you shared a, a delightful story about egg salad. Another fascination of Deep South Dining. Uh, yes. Grilled it, cheese, it, hot dogs, yes. egg salad. And we this, have so many fascinations. This Frog legs. Back to a conversation from last year about kipi mayonnaise, a Japanese mayonnaise that people are going crazy over. Right. And uh, going to the Chinese grocery to get. But th- it's a Japanese product. Gotcha. Okay, so this is their uh, version of egg salad. And they have a chain of 7 Elevens in Japan. Okay. And they have. Wonderful food where we have uh, fried chicken and tater logs. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> they do. Have, they have egg salad sandwich. Wow. But theirs are different because of the way they do the egg filling. And I think we should all try this. I'm going to try it this week. They separate the egg yolks from the egg whites. Hard boil the eggs, separate it, and actually cream the yolks because the yolks have a higher fat content mm. and it makes the um, makes the eggs creamier and then of course you give it a shot of kipi mayonnaise bam. in the egg yolks bam and then you you know chop up your egg whites you may not use all of them just kind of throw them in there for a little different texture so there you go 711 Egg salad. Now, what sort of bread do they put their egg salad they on? They actually have, there's a sweet Japanese bread. And the recipe, uh, you know, I read said, you can make sweet Japanese bread. But I thought, you know, this looks a lot like bunny bread. Yeah, sounds like and it. And so it said, or you can use, use soft white bread. So it is visually pleasing. Mm. It is bright yellow. and I Soft will report, and spongy and delicious. And I will report on this very good next week so before we dive into barbecue and uh the vast knowledge that eddie wright brings to the table uh it is national barbecue month before we do that carol there's there's some news out of the james beard foundation and uh if you would first tell our listeners who may not know a little bit about the james beard awards and the foundation and the work they do and what we've been reading about this week well the james beard awards are named for the great food writer, uh, gourmand, James Beard, who had a tremendous influence on food in America. And there is a James Beard Society and Foundation. They made a uh, shrine out of his, uh, his townhouse in New York. There are monthly dinners there. Chefs from all over the country are invited to come cook those dinners. Uh, People sign up for them. That's a wonderful thing. But now they are most 
known for the awards that are given out every year to members of the food industry. And this is everything from chefs, uh, you know, bakers, best restaurant, best new restaurant design, best wine program, best wine list, um, best restaurant in the United States, uh, best new restaurant. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Hmm. Then there are journalism awards and media awards. Right. Those are usually held a separate night. But And this you know, is sort of like the Grammys for music. Yes, the Academy Awards. Right. And you know, I've been okay. fortunate enough to go a number of times, not in the, fa- the past few years since I left uh, Viking. But it is a great honor to be nominated. Right. For an award. And there are regions. We are in the southern region. There is a southeastern region. And so there may be, oh, I don't know, 50 nominees in a region. Mm-hmm. Then it's narrowed down to semifinalists. And then there are finalists. There will be four or five finalists. And from that pool, one person will receive the very prestigious award with a certificate and a medal. And, uh, you know, it can just really make a chef's career right. and uh, to be a James Beard-nominated chef. So here we go. And, Malcolm, it's kind of hard to break down. I know. And I'm going to have to ask you to help me. I will. I've been okay. following as closely as possible. Yes. So... There is an Alabama chef named Timothy Hansis, who is well known to you know many people in this region, just a really beloved chef with a restaurant in Homewood, Alabama, which is right outside of Birmingham. Called Johnny's. 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 And it's a meet and three um, on a elevated level. Uh, he he refers to it as a Greek and three. A Greek and a Greek three. And three. I like because that. he is very Greek. Uh, his family immigrated and came through Jackson, and we will talk about that that too. Sure. His his um, father owned Johnny's Restaurant in Jackson from which, the fifties through the eighties, which was the restaurant that accompanied the hotel, the Flamingo Motel on Highway eighty. Yes, indeed. Back in the day. Most hotel motels would have a restaurant or a diner attached, and this was a fairly well-known restaurant. Very much so. A and large, fancy— 300 seats. I mean, they, they had a lobster tank, and it was uh, quite the deal. It was the deal. It was the deal, and uh, Timothy and all of his cousins and relatives you know, came over from Greece and used that restaurant was kind of their training ground, mm-hmm. and they opened restaurants in Birmingham and now in home. So it's, it's been a generational thing. And uh, so anyway, he was he's, he was nominated. He's actually been nominated before, and like you know, most chefs don't win it their first time. Right. It, Generally, they're nominated two or three times yes. before they win. So this if year, ever. yes, he was named a semifinalist, and then was notified that he could not. He was disqualified. disqualified. He was disqualified mm-hmm. from this year's award, which is coming up in the next few weeks. Because what did they actually? Well, they said that 
you know, he had been accused of, of, of this, that, and the other. But what happened when he, he violated was, the ethics the ethics code? The ethics code. But what happened was he didn't get a phone call. He got a text or an email or something and notifying him that he was disqualified. And then the reaction of his friends and our friends who've been on the show, Mississippi chefs, who were outraged. Yes. Our friend John Currents, who has has been known to be outraged on occasion, actually took his beard certificate off the wall with the metal and smashed it with a brick. Photographed it and put it on social media. Yes. Then our friend Vish Bott, who has also been on the show and whose cookbook we are in love with, the cookbook, I Am From Here, which is also up for a James Beard Award for Best Cookbook this year. Vish did not smash his award, but he did uh, take it down. Both of them posted on social media uh, their displeasure is, is you know, uh, about what, what's happening. And what, what is happening is the James Beard Award, the James Beard Foundation, and all of their you know, trying to be an example to the industry, have created you know, lots of new rules and regulations and categories. And one of these, you know, they have been working, this kind of came out of the Me Too movement, to stem the traditional restaurant culture. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean Brock, famous chef Sean Brock, called it a restaurant, a pirate ship. Right. You know, with with lots of uh, colorful language and yelling and yeah. screaming, and that really all der- a derives. A few plates are thrown from time yeah, to from time. from time to time, and I've that been there. that derives from the old French system, which was you know really a uh, I mean a caste system, if, right. if you will, in the restaurant. The chef with was the, king. The king and and or queen. you know yelling and well, there were never any queens. Well, in there the are French, now. Though. Yeah. No, no, not there in the French now, tradition. Not in the French tradition, right. but, you know, lots of yelling and screaming. And so the Beard Foundation has taken a really right. strong stance about uh, workplace culture in the kitchen. And a a person reported that Timothy Hanses had, he did two things. He yelled at someone for not refilling the ice maker. Right. But the other thing. I've done that. <laughs> My brother has yelled at me many times for not replacing, <laughs> refilling the, the ice maker. maker. This happens. And, you know, the other thing, the other complaint is he yells at the customers to close the front door. Which is sort of it's a kind joke. Of a shtick. It's an inside joke about the front door of this restaurant always being left open. And he because always yells, you know, close a, the front door. It's 100 degrees outside right. in Alabama. So it's kind of a shtick. He, anyway. he yells... Close, you know, close the front door. So they interviewed him by Zoom, and uh, yes, I'm, I'm trying to find it, but it said it said that he may have been guilty. Yeah, he may have been guilty of an ethics violation. But anyway, the bottom line is, it is it is sort of blown open the front door of the James Beard Foundation and the awards. It's uh, in all the news. It's a big, big deal. It's been in the Washington Post. It's everywhere. The New York Times, the head of the judging for the <coughs> South resigned, not so much because of this, but because yeah. he wasn't even, you know, he wasn't in, even notified. 
But it's a mess, Malcolm. It's a mess. It's, it's a, a mess. mess. Sometimes a kitchen can be a mess. Sometimes the awards for people who work in kitchens can be a mess. And this one happens to involve a Jacksonian and two Mississippi chefs. Uh, and it's a crazy story that is certainly in our um, and it's and in our, our wheelhouse. It's in our backyard. So and, anyway, and let me just say that uh, right Timothy ahead. graduated from Jackson Prep in 1990. He went to Ole Miss. Uh, while he was at Ole Miss, he worked in the city grocery kitchen under John Currents right. for many years. And, you know, John is his mentor and biggest cheerleader. Now, uh, just a word for our listeners. You and I are very interested in hearing more information about Johnny's. For yeah. those who remember, well, Johnny's posted, on Highway 80. I posted a f- postcard of Johnny's on Facebook and got quite a number of, of reactions of people who remembered eating there with their parents, dining on Highway 80 when Highway 80 was. Uh, really, Just the food mecca. It was. There were it, some great restaurants. Paul's. Yes, and uh, Fisherman's Wharf. But oh. anyway— we're going to uh, now introduce uh, someone who needs no introduction. Our buddy Eddie Wright has joined us. Good morning, Eddie. Greetings and salutations, everybody. It's good to be back. Well, we're glad to have you. It's well, your it's your me. time of year, my man. It, it really is, and I like to start off my portion of the show, and I call it this portion because it's grilling season, it's national barbecue season. Uh, I was also nominated for an award. Uh, it's not a very famous award. It's called the Big Papa Award. It's to your favorite pit master located in your neighborhood or your family. We call it the Big Papa Award. That's a big award. It That's is. That's big. It's very small right now, but it's very important to me, and I want it this year. So well, I'm very congratulations. So, congratulations. I'm, I'm very happy for myself. <laughs> I, I'm very proud. And uh, I want to also say, since this is my fourth, maybe fifth appearance on the show, I now have tenure at MPB. And we are now getting ready to do an amazing show. It's called Have Grill Will Travel. Oh, boy. All where we right. go to small cities and small areas and rural towns, and we grill for people, and we give them great barbecue. It's a cool show. We're pitching it right now. They haven't agreed to it. Oh, okay. They're just now finding out about it, but it's going to be a great time. <laughs> Let's go. It's going to be an outstanding time. I'm excited. I'm pretty sure. They're excited hearing this. They told me they did not want to spoil the news, but I just couldn't keep you it couldn't, You Let's couldn't help go. yourself. <laughs> well, well, so we'll have to stay tuned for yes, more. Yes, most definitely. Please a- do. About that. <laughs> so... Um, it is a barbecue season. I got my yes. grill out the other day and cleaned it off. What is, would you say is the best way to clean a grill when you're ready to start uh, the, the beginning of the season? I know yours is probably always happening because you never stop, but a lot of people only grill in the summer. This is very true. Uh, we spend a lot of time cleaning pits uh, biweekly. Uh, we keep it on a very vicious cleaning cycle of all of our equipment. But the most important part, get your grill as hot as you can and take a um, a nylon a hard bristle nylon brush and you know just scrub it down if you can avoid the steel wool brush or the steel brush mm-hmm. types things avoid those because they can get very dangerous ingesting one for right. animals or people so you want to be careful of that uh, use a great citrus cleaner citrus is always good it's great for cleaning grill grates and keeping your grill clean if you've got a grill that's been up a while disassemble everything get your little putty knife and scrape it down and get all that old grease out of it. Um, and then do you burn it off again after you scrape it? Uh, you don't necessarily just have rub to. It just rub Yeah, you can use citrus. it. That citrus will most definitely okay, break it down. Okay, talk to me about a citrus cleaner. Okay. 
Tell me, tell me what you're talking about. Citrus cleaners, um, I think there's a company called Simple Citrus that we like to use. It's uh, just a citrus-based cleaner that's good for the environment. It's not very chemical-based and not heavy chemical-based. Um, so it's going to really clean your grapes and give it a great smell afterwards. It's good at degreasing and doing a lot of other things when cleaning. Is it a grocery store product? It's a grocery store product, and you can also find it at Grills of Mississippi on Highway 51. Yeah, they got a lot of cool stuff out there. That's my favorite place. Is that is that where you do your shopping? They got me into all this crazy stuff. I went in looking for some charcoal, and three years later, here I am with a yeah, you're food in business. Truck business. It's 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 a very addictive habit. So I urge people be careful when you go down. It's a very fun place to go. It's like the ultimate cook's playpen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can most definitely easily run up a hundred dollars walking out of there because there's so much to enjoy, look at, and try. Amazing place. Speaking of $100, how is the Stormtrooper? Ah, the Stormtrooper is, we're back on the road. (laughs) We had a very trying two weeks. Um, We had to put them down for repair. And um, if you have not understood something about um, food trucks and trailers, it is a very hard industry. Um, When something goes down for repair and you have to repair something, a lot of these shops are three weeks to three months behind. So when you have something that needs repair, you're basically at the end of the line. So there is that's some great job security, but it's also a bad problem. So take care of your equipment is the other thing. So from grills to your knives, keep your knives sharpened, keep your knives fresh. If you don't have a sharpener, you can go on Amazon and get a good motorized sharpener that will bring those knives back to life. Do not go buy a brand new knife. It's not necessary. Your knives mm-hmm. just need retuning and refiled. And um that's pretty much us, man. We got some amazing news coming up. You spoke about Highway 80, and that was very shocking to us. We have something uh, that we're going to announce on June 1st, 601 day, that it has something to do with Highway oh, 80. So okay. you'll, be, you'll, you'll be very happy to hear that. Excellent. And I'm excited to release that information. And overall, um, we want to make sure everyone's safe during grilling season. Uh, no lighter fluid. Please yeah. do not use Who needs fluid. it? Who? It is the best trick ever sold to a human being. Right. You can light charcoal without lighter fluid. Please remember that. Grab your charcoal. By using the old newspaper. Old newspaper. Doritos. 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 What? Yes. You can light a Dorito on fire. They won't tell you that, but you can. Oh, that is frightening. It is. But they're very good chips, but they can also be used as fire starters. Go to your local family dollar store, grab you a bag of Doritos, and grab your charcoal chimney. That will be a very good base to start your fire. So and it will there's a layer. A, a charcoal chimney. Yes. That's, yeah, that's the I mean, stove. that is a very old-fashioned way to... Uh, yeah, to light a grill. I owned the Everyday Gourmet for many years, mm-hmm. and we always tried to uh, talk customers into a chimney because mm-hmm. it's effective. Yeah. Um, it's you know just the sh- the shape, yeah. li- literally. Yep. Which, you know, some of them, most of them, have handles on the side now, mm-hmm. and you put newspaper in the bottom, right? Charcoal or Dorito, in the top, or Dorito chips, <laughs> and and light and light it in. Once everything's on fire, then you just pour it out. In the grill. Real simple. And the coals are as hot as as hot as you need them to be. They're hot as fire. They're hot as fire. (laughs) So that's the great thing about charcoal chimneys. But the, the, the the mystery about it has been very hard, even over the past 15 years, getting people to understand the science around that. That's why people still are buying lighter fluid. You're, we're still having yeah. to teach and elevate people that you do not necessarily have to use this stuff. Yeah, but, and you don't need the big kaboom. Yeah, you, you do not need the need big the kaboom. Need the singed eyebrows. People are in love with the, with, the, with the earthly, fiery kaboom once you just 
just woof. Yeah, my <laughs> eyes are being really open because I that's like half of the fun is you have a little a little fire and you get your bottle and you go squeak. But if then, you, but if you think about it in a different direction, the other biggest part of the fun is just seasoning, educating, some, Maddie. some good jazz or good soulful playlist, and you're seasoning your food and you're just dancing around, and that's the vibe now when you get the charcoal chimney. While it's out there and there's no kaboom going on, you're just vibing yeah, in the house. There you go. Okay, it's a right. good time. Hey, you're speaking Java Java's language. <laughs> All right, we've got a caller from Mobile, Alabama, who wants to talk about Jamaican barbecue. Hello, Jesse. What's up? Hey, not too much. How's you guys going? We're great. Great. We're good, Jesse. Yeah, there was a show a few, well, a year, several years ago, Man Fire Food. Mm-hmm. He travels. He was in Jamaica, and you may go back to your history books and remember what the word barbecue comes from. In Jamaica, you take your wood. You're familiar with wood for barbecue, but in Jamaica, the wood is thin, newly green wood, so maybe an inch, two inches diameter, Okay. as opposed to the big, take a tree and let it dry for a barbecue here. Mm-hmm. The meat sits on the wood. Ooh. That's where the flavor comes from. So here we have dried wood, and the smoke enriches the meat for the flavor in Jamaica. It's the wood itself, which is new, so it's still full of flavor and water huh. that flavors the meat. So you don't have to worry about cleaning the grill because nothing ever touches the grill to have to be cleaned off. That's day one. Day two, the green wood from yesterday goes, want to guess where that goes? Uh, I'm fresh out of guesses. The, under the meat to be burned. Okay. So you're recycling yesterday's wood. is now nice and dry because it smoked all day yesterday mm-hmm. cooking. That now gets burned, and you just beat process. Wow. So between your chicken, your pork, your jerk, all of that gets smoked on a brand new piece of wood that gets burned the next day, and that's where that flavor you get in Jamaica comes from. That is awesome to know. Well, Eddie? And no cleaning of the grill. Is this... How does this uh, sit with you? Uh, I see the wheels turning. Yeah, this is very well with me. Um, I love. I've actually seen that method, and it's very, uh, it's very interesting. And it kind of goes along with a uh, Hawaiian barbecue, where they they wrap a lot of things in banana leaf and different cultures do things like that, and still are able to grill food in ground and have an amazing flavor profile on it. It's just yeah. so many ways to do grilled and cooked food. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Well, thanks, uh, Jesse, for listening and All for right. calling. Have a great week. Yeah, man, we appreciate you. Carol, on your list of coast restaurants that you brought in that we're going to do a whole show about soon, there mm-hmm. is a Korean barbecue place in Long Ooh. Beach. I think I can't remember the name of it. It's on your list there somewhere. But uh, I've been hearing a lot about this. Uh, I talked about going to Radish in Long Beach, and every time I post something about Long Beach, I get – Four or five people saying you got to eat the Korean barbecue at the. <laughs> I think it's a. It's time for a farmers trip. market or something there in Long Beach. But anyway, it's on that list. But uh, do you know much about Korean barbecue? Uh, not a lot. Mm-hmm. My only time in Korea was um, back in the 
late 90s uh, as you know I'm a military veteran we went over there and uh, they didn't barbecue over there a lot uh, mm-hmm. we saw all other things cooked on the side of the street and a lot of different smells that I'm very happy I never have to smell again but it was a great experience <laughs> that would be kimchi yes that is exactly what it was the whole country smells like kimchi hey it is weird but they love it I know and, and yet go. everybody has big uh, you know giant ceramic kimchi pots like if you see an apartment complex oh, on their little balconies hmm. ferment I tell you what, it's, I've, I've started appreciating kimchi after after many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's like a, pickled uh, cabbage, right? It's like fermented, fermented. Yeah, yeah, fermented. Uh, yeah. It's cabbage. definitely a smell you will never forget. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I I've smelled you. it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm down with that. Uh, Mal wanted to go back to your Korean barbecue in Long Beach. That would be Long Beach Market and Deli. You got it. And they have a range of Korean, Chinese, Cajun, Vietnamese, and American dishes served. And this is the great um, merging of Mississippi Gulf Coast and and Asian uh, cuisines, Uh, more and more and more. I had always thought this was going to happen. More and more and more, you go to the coast and you eat Vietnamese, Korean, Japanese, Chinese. A lot of fusion going on. A lot Mm -hmm. of fusion going on down there in the Gulf Coast because of the shrimping industry primarily. Mm -hmm. The same fusion was going on uh, many years ago uh, with the uh, European. Uh, yeah, with the uh, yeah the French and the African Americans, the Creoles, the sure. Native it's always Americans. Been a melting pot. It's, it's just been a melting pot. I note also that uh, Lucia Van Norden, who owns the Long Beach Market in Delhi, is a graduate of Le Cordon Bleu. So, well, there you go. She wow. knows what she's doing. Excellent. All right, Eddie, uh, what's going on uh, beyond what you've shared with us? Now, I know you've, you haven't been on in a while. What what new, what have you new come about? Are you grilling vegetables, have you stumbled into something that people are just crazy about, or are you just doing your basic? We're just doing our traditional stuff. It is the heart of barbecue competition season. Memphis's main is coming up. Um, we are very happy to say we achieved our first grand championship at the Martin's Backyard Um Invitation, not backyard invitation at the Martin's um, barbecue competition. Yeah, I saw they had a barbecue. Yes, sir. And it was a there. very. That's great where turnout. I saw your truck. Remember, I told you I saw your truck somewhere the other day. And yeah, it was over in the Martin's parking lot. Right. So we had a uh, competition there, and we won our first grand championship. And let me tell you, it was uh, it was very very emotional for me. Um, for those who don't know, I've been on this barbecue road for again six oh one. We'll make three years. And then some, but on the competition side, this is our first grand championship, and it is a, it's not an easy feat to pull off, but achieving it with the group of guys I've achieved it with, my team, Team All Smoke, No Sauce is what we like to call ourselves, it was a very good time because there were some high-class competitors there, even mm-hmm. at the backyard. It was just – it was a great time. So we had that. Um, Memphis and May is coming up. Uh, you've got the – the Jack Invitational is coming up. So, again, it's peak barbecue season for us competitors out there. We just had smoking on the res, then smoking on the track. So a lot of your favorite pit masters are on the road traveling, doing things, getting new recipes and getting new experiences in their belt. So what were your uh, your foods for the competition? Um, we just did the traditional. They did two categories. It was chicken and ribs. Um, so we did um, chef's choice on uh, chicken. So we did a chicken wing, and we did traditional St. Louis-style ribs. 
Um, but we also did a People's Choice, our People's Choice, which is our favorite People's Choice. It was smoked tater tot casserole. It was voted. <laughs> <laughs> I love this dish so much. It won uh, Best Appetizer at the Backyard Invitational last year. Um, we also uh, we put it on for the People's Choice this year at the Invitational at um Martins, we didn't win, but people definitely enjoyed it. So okay, so tell us about it. Smoked tater tot casserole. You take a protein of your choice, whether it's beef, sausage, or turkey. Ours is turkey. You brown everything over the smoker from start to finish. This dish is done. You're gonna brown your meat. You're gonna add your cream of cheese. I'm sorry, cream of chicken, cream of mushroom. You're gonna put a little water in that. You're gonna make yourself a roux. Then you're gonna add your cream cheese. From there, you're gonna take tater tots, put them in a separate container, let them start to smoke over and get a little brown then. Then you're going to combine both of those, the layer of cheese in the middle, tater tots on top, layer of cheese on top, and you're going to smoke that thing at 325 for about 45 minutes, and you're going to come out with one of the most awesome casseroles that people are going to love. It is high in calorie and carbs, naps are complimentary, but it is so awesome to have. Heart attack on a plate. Pretty much. I enjoy it. Everybody's enjoys it. What kind of smoke are you putting on these tater tots? We traditionally do our competition blend. We use a pellet smokers majority of the time, so it's going to be um, pecan, oak, and cherry mixed. Um, but when we do, when we did it at Martin's, we used strictly pecan wood, and okay. it was really rose red. It did a great thing to the protein. It's just amazing. Now, when you spoke of your ribs, you, you talked about Kansas City style. Is that what you do, or is that one of the categories? You had to choose a style. We had to choose a, a style, a, a particular type of rib. The St. Louis style rib is Oh, you said St. Louis, back. not yeah. Kansas City. My bad. It's different from the baby back rib. It's a more straighter bone. It doesn't have that curve in it like baby backs have. So mm-hmm. that's what we strictly use for competition. So it. it's about the cut of meat, not the style in which you cook it. Correct. A little bit of both. Um, of course, you still have to master the three T's technique, temperature, and time. But um, the the more than anything, everybody's encouraged to present the same type of meat because at the judge's table, it gives the judges a uniform cut. Right. And nobody's, you know, doing anything different. It's still at the end of the day, chef's choice. But again, people generally stick to what they want to be at the table. And then, again, your flavor profile, whether you want hot and spicy, sweet and smoky, all of that comes into the play at the judge's table. Even at the table, just serving every day, people want a consistent barbecue product. And that's what we thrive on. Now, for our listeners, let's say you're not a uh, avid barbecue, or you just have decided that maybe the summer of '23 is when you're going to go okay. out there and cook yourself some ribs. What, what would you advise going about, sort of a, an early uh, adventure into cooking some ribs? First things first, get you a food grade thermometer. This is the most important thing that people do not talk about enough. Get you a food grade thermometer. Why? Because temperature is important. The done, the safe done temperature is important, and knowing how far to push whatever you're cooking most definitely is. Once you got that and you know the numbers, the safe numbers for all your food, you can find this information online anywhere. All you simply have to do is develop a safe salt, pepper, garlic, or uh, whatever flavor profile you want, and just put your meat on, not direct heat. If you just want to play it safe, again, if you're just getting into this, keeping it safe is the, is the most important thing you can do. So if you're gonna off, you can offset your food and still get heat to it. You don't have to directly put your food over cold to ensure it cooks. Heat is going to flow regardless. Mm-hmm. And just let it go. Take your time. Always poke it to get your temperature. And, and sure it's about done. getting the temperature on the gauge is when it's done, not yeah. when it looks a certain way or how long it's been on. You get into when it looks a certain way as you become more well-versed in it. So right now, when again, if you're just starting off, just look for the number. 
165 on chicken. And you're using chicken. an Insta, Insta read. Yeah, instant read, or you can go old school with the slow to get there. But we mm-hmm. we encourage for the instant read because you don't want to be all there, let be there all day letting your heat out once you're and, ready. And what's the magic number? Um, on chicken, it's going to be 165 pork. Uh, light grades of pork, 145, like mm-hmm. pork loin and pork chops, and beef is 165 or above. Those are your done temps. Now, when mm-hmm. you want to go extra tender, you're going to go past those, 185 sometimes, 190 if you get a good grade of beef. At what point have you gone too far and the meat is, is overcooked? Um, when you're crossing the 200, 205 threshold on certain cuts of meat. If you have a thick cut of meat, crossing 200 is not a problem, but you most definitely want to be careful. When, it's, when you start to probe and it starts to feel like butter, you're there. Mm. If you push it any further, you're going to just have mush. Mm. And that's what you don't want. And that's what we try to tell people and educate people every day. People always ask, is it falling off the bone? Is it falling off the bone? I was like, no, it's not pulled pork. Yeah. <laughs> if you want pulled pork, just say so. But yeah. no, yeah. for ribs and other things, we you're want supposed it to, to use your teeth. You're supposed to use your teeth. You want it to be tender. So Now, wait a minute. There are some ribs. Now, you can, you can take that little hand and pull that bone out. <laughs> you can. But when you bite into it, it will feel like potted meat. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Eddie. <laughs> okay, so what do you tell people about resting meat? Do you uh, do you take your meat all the way to temperature on the grill, or do you take it off early and let it rest and continue cooking? I tell people that is the most important portion of the the last phase. Once you pull it, um, my thing is because of how we cook, we pull five degrees before, three or five degrees before. Why? Because once you're letting that meat rest, it's still going to rise in temperature and get where you want it to be. And at that same point in time, it's calming down. So you don't want to pull meat off of a grill and immediately go to slicing into Mm. it. You're going to waste all of the hard work you have done and put into Mm -hmm. that meal. Once you let it rest, it allows that meat to come down and reabsorb the moisture it's been pushing out. And then it's going to become a little more tender. So resting is the most critical portion of a cook and presenting a finished product. And that is whether it's barbecue or yes, in your ma'am. oven, whatever yes, whatever ma'am. you're cooking. And I, I just think that's just something that is so under appreciated mm-hmm. and and under taught mm-hmm. that, that people just don't don't pass along this resting very much so <clears throat> right so you earlier you said all smoke and no sauce yes sir is that your mantra that is our mantra along with the barbecue is my love language you can see it here on the back of my shirt i won't turn it all around all the way uh but barbecue is our love language all smoke no sauce here in mississippi i like to um our key to success has been elevating and, and, and showing people that you don't have to just sauce everything that you do. Mm-hmm. So you can apply the right amount of smoke and the right amount of seasoning and have an amazing meal. And through that through that course and that thought process and that theory, we've been able to introduce people to our style of cooking and educate people that, hey, even without sauce, it's even better and worthy of a great eat. It's the Eddie right way. It's the right way. So uh, a friend of mine and I have been <clears throat> uh, working on briskets, oh. and I want you, stud duck, to give <laughs> us the proper way to prepare a brisket. Okay. Proper way to prepare a brisket. We'll try and do this fast. You want to trim. You want to get all the silver skin off. Silver skin is going to be the fat, and you'll see we call it silver skin for a reason. It has a sheen to it. Mm. So you want to clean all of that off. Uh, on your backside, which is what's called the fat cap. That's where it contains your, your more juicier portion of meat. You want to trim that down, not all the way down. You want to get it to about maybe a little less than a quarter inch, uh, not less than a quarter, about a third of an inch of fat for protection. All fat does not render. 
Please do not let anybody tell you that. All fat does not render. A little bit of it does. So on briskets, you want to get that little bit left. You want to season gingerly, SPG. Again, if you're just getting in a brisket, low and slow is the way. 225, 235. Put it on. Let it go. Don't touch it. Got your thermometer. Probe it every three to four hours. Spritz it if you want to be fancy. Maybe some beef broth, a little bit of water. Once it reaches 165 or the color you want, which is a deep mahogany or depending on what wood you're cooking on. And you're going to want to wrap it at that point. That's going to be your stall. It's going to wrap it. Butcher paper, aluminum foil, doesn't matter. Your choice. Um, let it go again. You can raise the temp at this point because it's, it's absorbed as much smoke as it's going to take. So now you're finishing it. Now you're to that finishing point of pushing it past and getting it tender. So you're going to run it. 200, 190, 190 to 205 is the range. Well, again, once it starts to feel like butter, once you poke it, forget about the number, go for the feel. Mm. Once it's there, what's gonna, the feel? The feel is like butter, soft butter. It's butter. Okay. It's butter. You're going to pull it. Most important part is rest. Wrap it in a towel, put it in a cooler, put it in the oven, let it rest five to six more hours, especially oh. on brisket. It's, it's, it is a Ew. long game. It's not a short game. So from start to finish. Start to finish, 12 to 16 pound brisket, roughly it'll take you 12 hours. 12 hours. 12 hours. If you get in a hurry, you, you got shoe leather. Well, you got shoe leather unless you're a pro and we can do them hot and fast in five. <laughs> but we don't encourage people to do right. that. If it's your first time, take your time. Enjoy. Get your six-pack. Call you a few friends over. It's a good time. Watch a baseball game. Watch okay. There's three, said, uh, three wrap hours it, right there. Wrap it in a towel so you don't rest your meat. In lum- aluminum foil? No, 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 no. You can, but we tend not to because butcher paper is breathable. It's going to let a little bit of that moisture and heat out. So when you wrap it in the towel at the rest period, it, we're, we're basically keeping a lot of that heat in and and not letting it just go away because, like I said, that, that butcher paper is porous. Great news. Eddie, tell us where tell our listeners where they can find you. You can find us on all social media profiles at Eddie Wright BBQ. Follow the YouTube. We are going for 3,000 subscribers. Eddie Wright BBQ official on YouTube. So many great things going on. Follow us, 601. We have a huge announcement on the way. You will want to be there. All right. Thanks so much, Eddie Wright. Thank you. Eddie Wright Barbecue. It's been a pleasure. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from folks like yourself, and we thank you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Palmer, and for our special guest, Eddie Wright, I'm Malcolm White, asking you now to stay tuned for Marshall Ramsey's show entitled Now You're Talking, followed immediately by Southern Remedy at 11. Please join us every Monday for more Deep South Dining. We're also heard on Sunday mornings at 9 and rebroadcast. Come back to see us next Monday. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.